so silent, Manian, and member of the Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which, to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them. Okay, so you've got in the Antioch church prophets and teachers, and the two that frame the list are Barnabas and Saul, who are going to have a major role uh, from here on out. The other three are uh, Simeon, Lucius, and Menaean. Um, interestingly, that uh, Menaean had been brought up with Herod. What a contrast in the destiny of these two men who spent their childhood together. Menaean ended up being a leading disciple in Antioch and Herod ended up dead. So, they are serving the Lord and they are fasting when the Holy Spirit tells these brethren in Antioch to do what? Yes. Would you want to do that if you're the church at Antioch? Why not? Absolutely. You know, can you imagine? you got these five preachers and teachers there. You know Barnabas is a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. He's an encourager. He'd be somebody who's key. And we know from later accounts, Saul was really an outstanding man. So these are two key teachers, preachers, prophets in this church. And God's saying, I want you to send them out. Our mentality often would be, let's bring more in. Let's build up our church. But God says, I want you to take these two leaders and send them for this work. We need to have the mentality freely give. Freely we have received, we're going to freely give. You know, God has blessed them with these teachers, now they need to share some of them. We'd be so much better off if we were trying to move out instead of trying to just always, you know, bring in. And so they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them away. Now, you know, before this, only the church in Jerusalem that we know about has been involved in sending people out. And they've sent people out more to check up on new works. The Antioch church is sending these two guys out to pioneer the preaching of the gospel in some of these places. Do you suppose that every soul in Antioch was already a Christian? Now, I've heard people say, well, we shouldn't, you know, be concerned about taking the gospel anywhere else until we've converted all the people here. Well, that's not the way the early Christians thought about it. There was this constant urgency as far as the mission of getting the gospel spread. And uh, so that's, that's what we're doing Barnabas and Saul are going to go out on this mission to spread the gospel. Comments or questions through verse 3?
4 to 12. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God to the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed him, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. And the proconsul believed, and when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Okay, so they're sent out by the Spirit, and where do they go? Cyprus. Um, is a bit where they end up. What do you know about Cyprus? It's an island. Third largest in the Mediterranean. What else do you know about Cyprus? <coughs> Something rather significant for this missionary team. That's exactly right. This is Barnabas's home. The island of Cyprus. So that's where they start out with and they go to Salamis in 5, through the whole island of Paphos in 6. Salamis was the most important city. Paphos was the provincial capital. And uh, they are preaching the word of God. And they've got John helping them. And when they get to Paphos, they meet a couple of interesting characters. Who do they meet? They meet Bar Jesus. Now, what do you know about Bar Jesus? <laughs> yeah, he's this magician. What's the uh, na- his name that means magician? Yeah. So he's Bar Jesus, the magician, Elymas, or Elymas, whatever. Bar Jesus means son of Jesus. That's not really his first name, but he's Jesus's son. He's a magician. Uh, and he's a Jewish false prophet, and he's been a, I guess you'd say like a religious advisor to Sergius Paulus, the proconsul. And, well, what's Sergius Paulus' situation? A man of limited intelligence. <laughs> oh, it says a man of intelligence. Yeah. He's a sharp guy. I don't know why he had Bar Jesus around, but he was an intelligent man. What's his role? What's his job? Yes. Now, Cyprus was a senatorial province at this time. A senatorial province. Alright. You understand the difference between the two types of provinces? There were imperial provinces and senatorial provinces. The imperial provinces were under the control of Caesar. 
the senatorial provinces were under the control of the Roman Senate. And sometimes they go back and forth. At this particular time, Cyprus was a senatorial province. The Senate, the Roman Senate. Was it Caesar Rome? Yes, but you've got the, the debate between the emperor and the Congress, so to speak. You know, and there was, there was some rivalry, and the Roman Senate controlled some of the provinces, and the emperor controlled others. If it's the, a senatorial province, then the governor is called the proconsul. This was, and he is. Luke's accurate as can be when it comes to the proper titles of officials. Luke's a very careful historian. And there's lots of things that are impressive about his historical accuracy in all this. Well, the proconsul wants to hear uh, from Barnabas and Saul. He wants to hear the word of God uh, from them. And what was Elamus doing about this? Does he like it? Yeah, he's very much opposed to the preaching of Saul. And he's trying to turn Sergius Paulus away from the faith. Now, why do you suppose would Bar-Jesus be so anti-Paul and Paul's gospel preaching? Exactly. I think he thinks that if Sergius Paulus pays too much attention to, you know, this new faith, that his services as court magicians might, court magician might be unnecessary. You know, he's trying to preserve his role and his influence over the, the proconsul, over the governor. And so he doesn't want Sergius Paulus to hear Paul's word or to, you know, accept that. Um, and so, you know, well, comments or questions through verse 8. Maybe I should pause there. Okay, in verse 9, Saul, who was also called, called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him. Now this is a significant passage in that Paul's name changes. And, you know, there's a, lots of theories about this, but my guess is that the shift in name is a reflection of the fact that Paul is going from working mostly with the Jews to the Gentiles, and that Paul would be a more adequate name among the Gentiles. That's my guess. Um, but at any rate, from here on out, he's pretty much going to be called Paul. And what does he say to this magician? Now, what did Elamus' name mean? His other name? Son of Jesus. You know, Paul's saying, you're no son of Jesus. You're a son of the devil himself. And uh, you are full of all deceit and fraud. You're the enemy of all righteousness. You know, we sometimes may need to speak out boldly like this when somebody is trying to turn someone else away from hearing and responding to the gospel. I mean, I don't think Paul would have just said this about anybody, but do you see what's happening? You know, he's trying to turn Sergius Paulus away from responding to the gospel. And so, uh, Paul is very strong about that. And what does, what happens to Elamus as a result of this? 
that remind you of anything? Paul. Yeah, Paul himself. Um, so, um, he that can't even see the sun. If you can't see the sun, you're blind. Like, totally blind. You have to be led by the hand in an effort to try to humble him. But, but whatever it did to, to Elamus, blinding this magician opened the eyes of Sergius Paulus. He was amazed by what happened and it led to his belief and faith. Now, I'm going to make kind of a side point here for a moment. In verse 12, when it says, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened. What do you understand that believed to be? He thought there was a God? Yes. Can you go farther? Here I think believe is being used for conversion. You know, believe several times in Acts is the way that you describe somebody coming to Christ and being converted. Um, you see that in a lot of other passages. In 14.1, uh, a large number of people believe both of Jews and Gentiles. In 17.34, but some men joined him and believed. And in 19.18, you have many also of those who believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. Uh, so, when we see like Sergius Paulus believed, I think the point is not that he just accepted the fact there's a God, but that he was converted to Christ right here. And this is just a summary way of describing that. You know, you had back in Acts 6, for example, many of the priests became obedient to the faith. What does that mean? It means they were converted. So you got lots of different ways of describing conversion. Uh, or, or a, you know, shorthand to, to, to indicate it in the book of Acts. What are your comments and thoughts on this story? Would he have had anybody pretty upset with him for believing since he was part of the Roman government? I don't know. Maybe not at this point. I mean, there's not been really any Roman persecution that we've seen so far, I don't think. Other than their complicity in the crucifixion of Christ. Herod was Jewish. He, he was half Jewish, half Idumean, but he was more Jewish than Roman. He was upset with him from this Jewish background. Yes. Because of, because didn't he have some kind of position? He was like the governor. And really, Herod was more trying to just please the, the other Jews. You know, it was a, they they liked it that he was you know executing the Christians. I think it's funny that. Um, the magician guy, well, he was really trying hard to make the other guy not believe, and then because he was doing that, he was punished, which caused the guy to believe. <laughs> exactly. Do you see how what Satan does backfires and blows up in his face? That shows you the wisdom of God. Other thoughts.
perhaps this would be a good place to stop since we started early and since we probably don't want to do too much without other people here, but uh, we did well. We're okay on our own. Yeah, that was good.